Thank you for being the great I am. I pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds as Pastor Brent comes to share with us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Wow, isn't it good to worship God this morning? I mean, powerful. There's just nothing like it. Um, So glad that you guys are here with us this morning at Northridge. For those of you who are here for the first time, I know several of you are here for the first time. We want to welcome you specifically and and just thank you for coming and and joining us too uh, today. We are in right in the middle of a series called Margin. And this series is where we are talking about what it means to intentionally create space in our lives, in the various areas of our lives, in order to connect more fully with God and to more fully connect with other people. Because those are the two most important things that God has placed on this earth and beyond this earth, are Him and other people. When it comes down to it, God has asked us to do really two things, love God and love others. More than anything else, love God and love others. That is like the most important thing, regardless of day-to-day chores and tasks and focus. That is our stuff. And so today, we are talking about continuing that and intentionally creating space in our lives so that we can create that, uh, that margin for us to connect more fully with God and connect more fully with others. And so last week we talked about the emotional margin in our lives. And today we're talking about something that is, uh, I would say, admittedly more quiet in church. The church has been a little bit more quiet on this particular subject in church because today we're talking about producing margin or creating margin in the physical area of life. In the physical area of life. Now, uh, a quick question may come to mind. You say, after all that great worship, and we have all these things, and we've done all this stuff, and now you're going to talk about the physical area of life. Really? On a Sunday morning, when we're worshiping God? We're going to talk about our body and, and, and our physical area of life and how that plays into this whole thing? Yes, we are. Are you guys excited? I can tell by your faces. Yes. All right, yes, it is different, and the church has been noticeably quiet on this, but we're going to talk a little bit about this, and there's a couple of verses I want to talk about, one in particular, and we're going to show it in a minute, uh, but I want to set it up for a second because we need to understand the context. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you'd like to turn there on your phone or in your Bible, go ahead and do that, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but in this passage, the apostle Paul is writing a letter to a bunch of people in Corinth, and they have this brand new church there. So it was, I don't know, it probably was a little bit different, looked a little different than Northridge, okay? But it was a brand new church, baby church. And, and there's a lot of people who were coming to Christ and they were accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so they had a lot of questions for the Apostle Paul. They're like, okay, how do we do this? Uh, you know, how should this work? Uh, and one of the major things that Paul had to talk about with them was how they treated their body. How they treated their body, the proper use of their physical life. And so in there, there's a couple of verses that, that Paul writes, and, and God really needed this message to get out. And so I want to talk about this for just a minute, and then we'll share another passage of Scripture that talks about how we take care of our bodies, how we use our bodies. And it's really, really important. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. This is what it says. Don't you realize that your body 
is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now, this specific passage is talking about followers of Christ. People who have chosen and they've placed their life in Christ's hands, in Jesus' hands. If we've done that, then what this is saying is, your body is really not your own. This is not a popular thing in American culture. right? We say, you're telling me what I should do with my body? That's what God is saying. Believe it or not. Yes, God is saying that. He's saying the body is not your own. The body, if you've accepted Jesus, it is the dwelling place for Christ in you. And he's saying this is a temple. You were bought with a price. And so this is to to try to, because I don't know about you, but even now, as a kid, I thought this was really weird. Right? I heard this as like, you know, I, in fact, I think, I can't remember if it was one of our kids, but we talked about Jesus is, lives in you, and, and they're kind of like, uh, he's too big. You know, this doesn't make sense. I mean, you can see them working this out. Like, I, I don't, you know, they look at their, like, their body and they're like, I don't understand. <laughs> How did he get in there? <laughs> you know, I've heard kids literally ask that. And they're like, oh, that's a good question. You know, that's a really good question. And so it's a weird concept. So to, to illustrate this, I just want to share. This is kind of like if you give yourself to Jesus, if you accept him as Lord and Savior, this is like if you live in a building that is not your own. Because this, this is how this works. When you accept Jesus, you gain freedom, don't you? You gain freedom from sin. You gain freedom from the effects of sin. You gain freedom from the power of sin over you. You gain freedom from that immediately. That's what the power of Jesus does. That's why we accept Jesus. Okay? And so you take that on, you gain freedom from those things. But at the same moment, when you do that, you also tie yourself to Jesus. And you accept His ways of living. It's not one or the other, it's both. You gain freedom, but you also tie yourself to Jesus. Does that make sense? So this is how this works. If you live in a building that is not your own, whether you rent, whatever the case is, but if you live in a building that is not your own, then you are there, and what do you gain freedom from? You gain freedom from the weather, don't you? We gain freedom from the weather. We gain freedom from the rain, from the cold, from the wind. Dare I say it, I shouldn't say it, that dreaded word, snow. It's coming, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, we gain freedom from the effects of the weather. But at the same time, by doing that, we also have agreed to live by a certain set of standards for that building. Haven't we? We gain freedom on one hand, but we also have agreed to live by a certain set of standards for that building. It is the same way when we bring Christ into our life and we accept him as Lord and Savior. We gain freedom from things that we could not gain freedom otherwise. And yet... We've also accepted a certain standard of living, ways of life. And so that's what that verse is really talking about. Your body is important because of that. Another verse that I think people sometimes, this definitely applies and sometimes is misinterpreted. It's uh, 1 Timothy 4.8. This is what it says. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come, or in other words, eternity. Now, there are a lot of ways that this could be misinterpreted, but let me share just two ways that these could be misinterpreted. Some people take this verse, because I've heard this, 
And they take this and they will use every ounce of time and energy and focus and effort to exercise every minute of every day. I mean, that's just what they do. Every minute of every day, every waking moment, any free time that they have, and they are physically training. They're just, they're all go, 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 go. And they say, this is the most important. See, it says physical training is good. That's true. It does. It says physical training is good. Then there's uh, some people in the other camp. They look at this and they focus on that next part. And they say, yes, it says physical training is good, but it says spiritual training, or in other words, godliness, looking toward a relationship with Christ, is more important. So the exercise is unnecessary. (laughs) See where I'm going with this? These are two extremes that neither one are actually right. The error is if we think that we can do one of those, physical training and spiritual training, one of those or neither of those. You know what this is saying? You need to do both of those. You can't leave out spiritual training, but we definitely need to have physical training. It's saying both are good. Both are good. Yes, spiritual training is more important in light of that. Exercise will never be more important than spiritual training. However, it doesn't mean you neglect it. Okay, and this this can you can kind of see how you can kind of bounce heavily on one or the other. We all are going to fall off a little bit more on the log further on one way or the other on this, and that's okay. But just realize that this is talking about we need both and not one or the other. All right, and certainly not neither. And so why all this talk? Because you're still probably I know this is church. We're 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 honoring God and we're talking about exercise this morning. Really, (laughs) I came to worship. Well, because this is a big part of worship. It's huge. Why are we talking about this? Because as we read in those two passages of Scripture, God says, I care about what you do with your body. I care. I really care. In fact, it's really, really important. And so before we get into this, what I want to do is, remember last week I shared in the emotional area, I showed um, several prescriptions. And there's a, there's a guy by the name of Dr. Swenson. He wrote a book. You can tell. See that? Beautiful audio version. Yes. Fantastic, by the way. Dr. Swenson wrote this book called Margin. And in that uh, book, Margin, he gives prescriptions on how to create margin in your life in various areas. One of those areas, of course, is the physical area. And so last week we talked about emotional margin. This week we're talking about physical margin. So what I want to do is there's a lot of prescriptions that he gave. So I doled it down and kind of combined a few. And we're going to talk about five prescriptions this morning that will help you create physical margin in your life that is going to be very important. All right. But before we get into that, I just want to admit a lot of these things I have tackled in the last few months in my own life. A couple of these things I've tackled this week, literally this week, I've really hammered. And there's a couple of these that I'm not quite there yet. I haven't even really tackled yet. So I'm telling you that because I want you to know that I struggle along with this. Out of all the margins that we're talking about in this series, this is the one that I'm the weakest in. I'm just being honest with you. I am. This is my weakest area. Okay? I'm being transparent with you because I want you to understand as I share these things, this is not something that I figured out and therefore I'm sharing you. I'm teaching you. No. This is something that I am working through myself. Okay, so these five things, these are really big key things that I am currently working on. You can be guaranteed that and that I'm committing to long to long term. All right. First one, first prescription to create physical margin value sleep. (laughs) Oh, that's hard one. Value sleep. 
Just some quick thoughts that Dr. Swinson shares. And I mean, it's just phenomenal stuff. Uh, one thing, really simple, get to bed earlier. <laughs> oh, man. So hard to do. So hard to do. Even when I have the time to do it, I don't want to do it because my kids are in bed. And I'm like, this is great. Why would I go to bed now? <laughs> this is the first time I've been able to just sit down. If I go to bed, then, then when I wake up, it all begins again. <laughs> I know how we think. We're all there, aren't we? We've, we've been through this. Okay, we know. It's like, oh, man, if I go to bed, then I'm just going to have to do this tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But Dr. Swenson is very key. He says, listen, we need to value sleep. He said, in this country, more than just about any country, we are sleep deprived badly. He said, the, the number of patients that he sees, he says, so often it was sleep deprivation that was causing some of the symptoms that they were having. Very interesting. And he goes through this and he says that. He also says, take routines. Make sure you, you go to bed and you wake up at similar times. Now, some of us, we work different shifts. So you say, yeah, right. That's not possible. And some of us, that's not possible. We can't like same, you know, same time every night, same time every morning we get up. But as much as possible, keep a routine so that your body gets used to it. It's a rhythm. And he said, you will sleep better because your body knows what to expect. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Your body's going to know what to expect instead of, you know, whoa, we're getting up now? You know, and your body goes, what? What just happened? Yeah, and so just routines. Don't oversleep. Oversleep actually brings too much fatigue in. And I don't know how many, I've gotten, you know, like over eight hours, and I'm kind of like, ugh, I'm just groggy, you know? I'm just in a cloud. It feels like it's just not, not quite there, okay? And we have all these things, but why is this such a difficult thing in our culture? Why do we struggle so much with sleep? One, one main reason is because we have electricity, we have lights, we have technology. Okay? We have literally dictated to ourselves and said, we're going to choose when we go to sleep. We are going to choose for ourselves when we want to go to bed. And that wasn't an option before, remember? I mean, when the sun went down, it got dark, and people were like, well, it's dark, we can't see, so, well, let's go to bed. All right. Now, we've got TV that goes all hours. Our phone is connected constantly. The lights can be on as long as we want. We can do whatever we want for as long as we want. I mean, my son is seven years old, and he has football games until almost 7.30 at night. I mean, literally, and, and, and the lights are shining on us the whole time, and we're freezing. You know, we're just, you know, we're like, we love football, you know. <laughs> Right? And we do that, and it's like literally, okay, football and bedtime. And then, whew, and we collapse for an hour or two. Right? We can't value sleep because we don't have time for it. We push to the very limits of everything we have. So we need to value sleep a lot more. All right, second thing eat smarter, not harder. Dr. Spencer gives a lot of good insights here, but very simple ones. I'm just going to flow through these real quick. Decrease your intake of fats and sugars, obvious one. Replace traditional processed snacks with fruits. Avoid overeating. Stay home more to eat instead of going out. Did you know this? We spend a billion dollars every single day on eating out. That's one day. Okay? One day. We spend a billion dollars on eating out every single day in a 24-hour period. All right? I got a couple of you with that one, I can tell. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. When I, when I first learned that, I thought, really? 
by the way, I'm guilty of that one. I love eating out. I just, I do. You know, Buffalo Wild Wings are just, oh, man. Right? But sometimes maybe we can make a different choice and we can do different things, maybe to create a little bit more margin in this area. Perhaps some of us creating more physical margin is very simple, and the simple change is eating different. Perhaps. That's maybe one thing. Okay, third one. Drink more water. Oh, this is a hard one for me, to be honest. Over 50 to 70% of our body is made up of water. We know that we can go a long time without food, but we can only go about three days. Most average people can go only three days without water. We know we, it's critical. And so we're, the danger is not that we're not going to drink water. The danger is that we're going to drink far less than we need, right? That's really the danger. It's not that we're not going to drink it. It's that we're going to drink far less. And so uh, you guys know, what's, what's the recommended amount daily of, of water? You guys remember that? Is it, yeah, six to eight glasses of water per day. That's the, that's, the, that's the suggestion. Six to eight glasses of water. I don't know about you, but I've started doing this, and I've been spending more time in the bathroom <laughs> the last week or two. I'm serious. I'm like, I have never been in the bathroom this much. This is crazy. Because I'm not one that drinks a lot of water or coffee or anything. I, I just don't drink a lot of stuff. And so now I've been doing this. I'm literally counting glasses every day. It's getting kind of tedious, but I'm going to stick with it, and eventually it'll become habit. I know that. But, but I'm literally counting glasses, so I'm getting enough water in there. And, and Dr. Swenson, he makes this point, and I thought this was really good, and I've heard this before, but, but I thought it was just a good reminder for me that if before a meal or when you get like that snacky feeling, I get that at least 37 times a day. Okay? When you get that snacky feeling, um, he says just drink a whole glass of water or even a couple. He said, usually when we feel hungry, it's actually we're dehydrated. He said, that's what your body is equating that. And we equate it to hunger, but he said, it's actually dehydration. And he says, before a meal, like before you sit down to dinner, I've been doing this actually, take a, take, literally drink one or two glasses of water before you sit down to the meal. He said, you'll be more full and you won't eat as much. It sort of works for me. Just tell, I'm tell, I mean, it sort of works for me right now. I still have to pinch down a little bit on, on how much I eat. You know, that seconds, it's just too tantalizing. Okay? But water, really, really key, really important for us. Creating physical margin. Okay, fourth one. Exercise. Exercise the heart, muscles, flexibility, and the spirit. Some really interesting facts about the heart. Did you know that the heart beats 100,000 times every day? 100,000 times. It pumps 1,600 gallons of blood, and it pumps it through, get this, this is blew me away. It pumps it through 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body alone. 60,000 miles of blood vessels. That's crazy. Your heart is your workhorse, is your workhorse. We need to take care of it. Exercise does that. Muscles and flexibility. Why do I have my guys before soccer stretch? Is it so I can kill more time during soccer practice? No, although that's a great idea. But, uh, but no, no, it's not. It's because we need to make sure that they can do those things at the proper level. And if they don't, it decreases the chance for injury. Stretching those tendons and those muscles makes them prepared. It tells your body, I'm about to do something a little crazy. Let's go. And your muscles go, oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. 
you know, and then they get there. And I, even, even the high schoolers, they, you know, they're like groaning and doing all this. I'm like, just wait. All right. But we do that because we need to be prepared for life. But here's the deal. Our bodies are our workhorses. We, we ask them to do a lot and that's okay, but we need to train them for that. For everyday life. No, we're not maybe running soccer, playing football, all that kind of stuff. But we are going through life, aren't we? And we need our bodies to do that. All right. Last one. Stick with it. <laughs> this is probably the most helpful prescription of all five. All right. Stick with it. Why would this be a prescription? This is why. Okay. Because this is the dynamic. This is the truth. Now, do you guys remember? I showed this after, or right before New Year's last year. Remember that? Okay, because this is this is the truth. This is right after New Year's, like like no, you know, January second. Everybody say, "I am going to be awesome this year." And and by February second, they're like, "What's a gym? What is a treadmill?" Right? Because we just, we're like, yeah. And we're like, I'm so tired. I'm done with it. Right? Where's, the, where's that, that lack of? That's the commitment, isn't it? It's hard to do. Stick with it. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I've admitted to you guys, I'm the same way. So what I've committed to do personally, and this may or may not work for you, but for me, what I've had to do is I've had to start and I've just, in the last few months, done this, and literally this week, for a couple of these, started to make these changes. But I've had to make very small changes in order to stick with it. Now, I don't know about you, but here's, here's, what I, here's what you shouldn't do when you walk out today. You should not walk out today and write on your, your little notes there for sermon notes, you know, okay... I am going to go to bed at 9 o'clock every night. I'm going to eat broccoli for every single meal, even breakfast. And I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to exercise every single day. In fact, you know what? No, I'm going to exercise twice a day. Morning and after work, I'm going to exercise twice a day. And I, it, what are you doing? You're setting yourself up for failure. There's no way it's going to happen. All right? I'm nowhere near that. Not even close to that. So what, what do we need to do? We need to start small. Change one thing and make it pretty minimal because here's the deal. Would you rather be awesome for two to three, four weeks or a month and then kind of fall off? Or would you rather go really slow and be awesome for a lifetime? I think the answer is obvious there, right? And sometimes for me, and again, it may not work for you, but I'm just telling you where I'm at. For me, it has to be a slow process. I have to slowly make those changes. And so that's, uh, that's a big thing. We need to stick with it. Now, why is physical margin so important? Why spend so much time talking about drinking more water at church? Why so much time uh, talking about exercise? Why so much talking about how much the blood is pumped through our body? That was great, interesting facts. If I go on Jeopardy, I'll let you know to thank you. Right? Thanks, Pastor, for that, for the useless knowledge. Right? Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because God truly cares about every aspect of our life, and that includes our physical area of life, our body, and how we treat it. However, there's an even more important principle here. If we are going to be on mission for God, if we're going to be on mission for Jesus, we have to have 
the physical margin, the energy, the confidence to tackle it, don't we? If we're going to be on mission for God, if we're going to love God, and if we're going to actively love others, and by the way, it does take some action. If we're going to do that, we need the physical margin to be able to do it. I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, when I'm fatigued, when I'm just worn down, I do far less. And, and, and we see, I see this at home. When I'm worn down, I do less with my children. Not a good thing, but I do. I do less with my children. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just... Now, there's times that I, <laughs> I need to say, and it's important for us to rest and sit down. And, hey, guys, you know, I need a moment. You guys go play. That's okay. But if we're doing that all the time because we're just worn out, that's not okay. And the same is with our mission for Christ, for God. If we're going to be on mission for God fully and to the best of our abilities, then our physical margin needs to be there. Now, I just wanted to share a couple of quick warnings about this area. Um, as I was going through this, this was not something that, uh, that I necessarily was, was even thinking about, but these are a couple of warnings as God brought, as I was thinking through this, that, that I think needs to, to be shared and needs to be really important. In the Old Testament, and I shared, I, I, I preached a message on this story. But in the Old Testament, there was a, a prophet named Samuel. And Samuel, God came to Samuel and he said, Hey, Samuel, I need you to go to this family. The father's name is Jesse. And I need you to go to his family because one of his sons is going to be anointed. You need to anoint his head with oil. One of their sons who's going to be the next king of Israel. Okay? And so Samuel's like, Okay, I'll find Jesse. And so he goes to this family and finds Jesse, the father. And he says, listen, uh, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And so I'm here to anoint his head with oil and to kind of proclaim that. And, and so he says, start bringing your, your sons out one by one. And, and so Jesse got one, his oldest son and he brought him out. And, and Samuel, when, when you know, this guy walked in the room, his first son, he walked in the room and Samuel goes, oh yeah, that guy is awesome. I mean, he was tall. He was handsome. He hit anytime fitness constantly. <laughs> CrossFit, whatever. Hey, I mean, this guy is ripped. If there was a king to be had, that's the dude. And Samuel's going, uh-huh, that's my king. <laughs> you could take me. <laughs> and God says, nope, sorry, not him. And so they bring in the next one, and they bring in the next one, and they bring in the next one. And Samuel's going like, these are some pretty good dudes. And God says, nope, nope, nope. And they finally get to where there's no sons left. And, and, and Samuel goes, uh, are there any more sons? And, and Jesse says, well, there is one more. He's my youngest. He's out tending the sheep. I mean, that's like the lowest job of the low. And he's so, I mean, I can bring him in, but it's David. I mean, and David comes in and God says, ding, 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 done. That's the guy. He may not look like a king now, but trust me, he is. And David becomes that. And in the midst of that, the reason I share that, it's really, really important, the principle, because God talks to Samuel right in the midst of that process. Right as they were bringing all those other sons in, God says something to Samuel that I think we need to really hear. This is what he says. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
Oh, if there was a principle that we could get down in our culture, this would be the one maybe that I would choose because this has ramifications for everything. If we could just see past all the stuff that we see. And he says, and he says this, I mean, it's important to create physical margin, but there's two dangers uh, that I think that are out there because here's the truth. Let's be honest. Can we just be really honest this morning? We size people up every single minute of every day, don't we? Based on what they look like, how they look, what clothes they're wearing, uh, how, how they come across to us. We size people up every single day. And it's not necessarily based on their character or based on something like that. It's how we see them. And so two dangers I want to make sure that we're aware of in the physical area of life. And then we're going to leave it at this. The first danger is this. We need to stop judging people. Especially in the physical area of life. We need to stop judging people. We need to start seeing people for who they really are and how God has made them to be. And you know how God has made us to be? Valuable. Incredible intrinsic value for every single person on this planet. And we need to start seeing people for that. Stop judging, start helping people. There's a t-shirt in there right there, by the way. I'm serious, that'll, that'll fly. Stop judging, Start helping. We need to get that one down. I'm tired of our culture in that way. Can you tell? I get a little ticked. Because, again, remember we talked about emotional margin and bullying last week? Once again, why is the bullying happening? Because they view them as, a, as an item, as something to make fun of, as something to make them feel better. Our physical margin needs to be there, but we also need to make sure it's there for the right reasons, which is our heart and how God sees us. Second danger is this. If you found new motivation and new challenge today, and you're going to leave here and hit the gym and eat broccoli for lunch, with a little bit of cheese drizzled over it, of course. If you have new motivation to do that, that's great. And I hope that you do. And I've received that just very recently myself. But here's a very significant danger. Don't do that in order to be the envy of the room. Don't do this in order to gain the notice of certain someone or a certain group of someone's. Or to stick it in somebody else's face. You hear me on this? And yes, I've been to the gym. And yes, I know how people act at the gym. Look at me. I'm awesome. I've run 1,700 miles on this treadmill. I'm glad you're done your one, though. <laughs> it's okay to be awesome. Just don't flaunt it. Make sure that your focus in creating physical margin in your life is because you need to be on mission for Christ and that you know it's going to create health so that you can be there for your family, be there for your kids, be there for Christ, be there for God, be there for whoever else needs you that's important and not so that you're in the envy of the room. Can we do that? That is a significant danger, isn't it? 
So this physical margin is important. So the question becomes, very simple, same one we asked last week. How can you start creating physical margin in your life this week? My guess is, similar to me in some ways, that it's going to have to start small. You're going to have to choose one thing or a few small things and start working that way. And what that will lead to is in a few months or in a year, there's going to be huge change because it was small incremental. Does that make sense? Let's shoot for something amazing, but let's work there in a pace that works for us and what God tells us to do. Let's be honest, because God, I think, will help us with this. I absolutely do. But we need to be honest with ourselves and where we're at. Let's make small changes to get where we need to go. And if we create that physical margin in our lives, we're going to have that ability. We're going to have that energy, that obvious time and space with our bodies, with our energy, to be able to serve God in a more impactful and more powerful way. Wouldn't that be cool? So I hope that we all can commit to that. All right. Worship band is going to come up. Let's go ahead and pray and just ask God to do this for us.